Comic Book Characters is an uncensored podcast. You can follow the Comic Book Characters podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. We're also on Twitter at Twitter handle CB Characters. And you can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. podcaster alfred and as always i've got my gracious co-host the president and ceo of snark industries the invincible invisible ignacio sir how are you doing wait wait did you just say martha did, what? did i just hear martha Ma- Mar- is that did Ma- i hear that name why did you say that name isn't martha the name of the waitress at casting corner <laughs> that's oh my odd god coincidence odd coincidence maybe there's a reference there um guess what uh, we are going to be talking about Batman vs Superman. And if you don't want to get any spoilers, probably just don't listen to the rest of the show. Well, don't listen to the first half at least. Uh, we're not good at doing the spoiler-free thing. It's just not as much fun, to be honest. Uh, we wanted we want to dig deep. We want to delve in, dive in. So w- this is definitely going to be a spoiler-heavy kind of look back review of bvs time to justice we're going to cover a ton of other things got a lot coming up for casting corner as well but let's go ahead and jump right into it yeah let me just um let me just take the first crack at this i loved this movie Mm. just kidding it's terrible uh no you know what we're not going to make this all about shitting on the movie there are some things that we liked about it uh overall i don't think we were too crazy about it i know you got a lot to get off your chest with this movie you (laughs) went to see it you went to see it a couple days before everyone else did. Um, yeah. Was it a Monday screening? I don't remember. Yeah, it was a Monday advanced screening. Uh, we actually had recorded uh, a nice little Q&A thing that you and I had done. Uh, but, you know, Snyder slash Luther, I don't know. Something happened there. Weren't able to bring it to y'all, unfortunately. But we are going to talk about some of those things that I brought up in the Q&A. Now, you can actually also provide a lot of feedback because you've seen it as well. I've actually seen it twice. Yeah. Uh, so take pity on me. Um, but yeah, I, I will say after watching the movie, my, one of my thoughts was I really don't need to rewatch this. Um, yeah, that's... it's not one of those movies that I want to, I'm like curious about rewatching. And then like the prospect of watching a three hour version. <laughs> oh yeah. Now if you're a DC fanboy and you really love these characters and you are okay with how they're represented, represented here and characterized, then yeah. Okay. I get it. You want to see it more than once, maybe twice, maybe three times, but it's just, you know, one thing that I've heard people say is it's not a lot of the critics, because obviously, critically, this is not news. It's been panned across the board for the most part. Uh, but most of the critics are just saying it's not a fun movie. It is not a fun movie. It's not a Marvel movie. And that's okay. That's okay. For some people, I think this movie could still be enjoyable on some level. But it, even if you enjoy it, it's not really fun. And I don't think they're trying to make it fun. And that could be one of the problems. We're going to get into that. Uh, real okay. quick, though. Yeah. Well, actually, real, real quick. Yeah. Mind. Real, real quick. Oh. That's right. Uh, if we're going to talk about BVS, I need to. Yeah, I needed one of those um, during the movie. I don't remember if I if you said this word or if I thought of it or maybe I thought of it after you told me. But the word I kept coming back to was joyless. I didn't say that, but I think you had mentioned it before. And There's, yeah. It's just a very joyless experience and world that Zack Snyder has created. Now, mm-hmm. the thing is you could probably make the counterpoint, well, 
so were a lot of the Batman movies. So were the, a lot of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Those didn't necessarily have a whole lot of levity to them. They were pretty serious and earnest and dark. Um, so, uh, I, what? Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say Daredevil, uh, especially Daredevil Season 2, also kind of veers into that. Uh, right. So it's not like this is the only movie to do that. But I, it's, I guess it's hard to put my finger on. Or, but it's this movie, it just felt like it needed a little bit of levity and there were there were moments to to do that and and they for some reason just chose not to yeah um totally i mean they're definitely going for something here and this is something you and i have talked about before um so commercially the film has done well it's, it's 424 million globally right and it's there the one headline i did constantly see was that it was the number one superhero film of all time globally for an opening weekend 424 million mm-hmm. but what the fine print says or doesn't say is that the film opened in china opening weekend no other super film has ever done that because china brings in a lot of money on its own usually right. the china market is like a month to two months to three months later uh i guarantee you if avengers or you know avengers age of ultron maybe even deadpool if those movies had opened in china opening weekend they would have made more uh, but but whatever, it's fine. Um, so the thing about the film, and you and I have talked about this, is that it is not Marvel. And a lot of the backlash from the fans who do like BVS, you know, they're getting mad because people keep saying it's not Marvel, it's not Marvel, like it's a bad thing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I get that DC is, is trying to do something different with their comic book universe. It is very starkly contrasted pun not intended Tony Stark um, to what Marvel does and that's not necessarily a bad thing like let's let's look at that you know like you said Batman as a as a titular character uh, lends himself to darker themes and tones right but it's the th- it's when you start bringing in other characters like Wonder Woman Superman flash Aquaman and if you make them all be born out of this Batman darkness, it paints all of those other characters in that light. And I don't know if that's going to work long term for everyone. Like I'm, I'm kind of happy to see what DC is going to do because it is so different from Marvel. And I, and like it's, I know that's one thing you're a big fan of is when they take chances and do something different. I'll Alex Luther. And we'll definitely touch on that <laughs> later, but I'm, I'm very happy and curious to see, and I'm kind of glad that DC's double downing. Uh, d- uh, d- is that right? Double, double downing, down, that's good. Double downing on this whole aesthetic. Because I do want to see what a comic book movie universe from this lens, from this perspective, is going to look like as an expanded universe. But that being said, I agree. It's a kind of, it's a joyless film. Uh, so... Let's let's try it. Let's do this because I worry that we're going to skew a little too hard on this film, which is fine. But <laughs> let's let's start on the positive end. What are some of the things you took away from this movie that you did like, that you enjoyed? Oh, jeez. And if it's Luther is one of them, please end on that because that's I'm going to be able to piggyback off of it. <laughs> uh, no, I. There wasn't a whole lot that worked for me in this movie. I think one of the better moments was Wonder Woman showing up in her. You know, as Wonder Woman for the first time, and not mm-hmm. um, her action piece, her her you know, in her action sequence. Yeah, uh, that was a cool moment. It was kind of ruined by the trailers, and I think mm. 
God, that was yeah. another thing that BVS, I think, didn't do very well. And it was something that we talked about on the show before is that they kind of gave away a little too much. Not kind of. that They really did give away too much. Um, not that the backlash wouldn't have been negative anyway, uh, even if, you know, if they hadn't. But it would have been a, a cool moment to to not really see much of Wonder Woman until the movie came out. And then uh, you, you get that really cool moment of her showing up. She's got, like, the best score <laughs> of anyone in, in the movie. It's, like, this awesome, yeah. there's, like, it's amazing it shit. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really tribal, like, very warrior-esque, yeah. and it's, it's I love it, dude. I, I, you know, and that's one of the things I did like, to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying. The soundtrack, the Hans Zimmer soundtrack, which, by the way, we're recording this on a Wednesday, just broke. Apparently, he's not going to do any more superhero films. And he was a guy that worked very closely with Warner Brothers uh, on, like, Batman and whatnot. So that's a big loss for them because uh, he did great with the soundtrack here, with the score. Uh, and the Wonder Woman, uh, like he said, the Wonder Woman theme is amazing. Very, it, It's very memorable, kind of like Ray's theme in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so cool. I mean, that was one of the things I liked. But yeah, please continue. Outside of that, I think... Definitely, you know, Zack Snyder has has really a great eye for, you know, beautiful shots, beautifully framed shots. And, you know, from from just an aesthetic perspective, this movie, I think, is really strong. You know, I always one of the things I always remembered when just talking about film is a quote from Steven Spielberg. At least I believe it was Steven Spielberg. It might have been accidentally quoted to him, but or uh, attributed to him that, you know, you can tell a good movie by or essentially he's saying a good movie is one that you can watch with the sound off and still understand what's happening. Right. And still follow the narrative. it. I right. feel like Zack Snyder took that a little too much to heart <laughs> <laughs> because his movies are so visually, um, are so, I mean, it seems like to me, he almost like thinks of how the movie is going to look visually and, still and comes up with shots and images in his head really before anything else. And it's almost like the content comes in afterwards. Um, but you know, this is the kind of movie that I think if you just if you just looked at it without sound, it might actually be a better film, because visually, it's I think it's there's some really stunning moments and there's some great action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think you got to give the guy credit for that. Um, and I, I like the fact that they start off right off the bat with Bruce Wayne's parents dying. They don't do a whole another scene of them, you know, coming out of the movie theater and then like just wasting screen time on that. I mean, it's still screen time, but to do it in the credits, I think it was a smart way to just kind of mm-hmm. really quickly remind the audience that this is Batman's origin story and not spend too much time on it. I thought that was smart. Yeah. Um, but it's funny that, you know, you would do something where you're that, um, you're using your time you're using the time, the screen time so well and so efficiently and still come away with a two and a half hour movie that didn't need to be that long, really at all. Um, but those are some of the things I liked. I, I do wonder, you know, going back to your earlier point, I think DC might be a little bit rethinking the idea of having Zack Snyder do this movie because he's a guy that has such a strong aesthetic style. And it's a weird choice to have a guy with such a strong aesthetic style do the movie that's going to launch essentially a universe because unless you're going to have him do all the fucking movies which i don't imagine they will you're essentially going to bring in people to recreate the Zack snyder look and feel and i don't i just don't think that's ideal whereas marvel i think you know joss whedon i think you know you can say a lot of great things about joss whedon but i don't think anyone's 
talking necessarily about his great the great shots that he frames or the, his great cinematography skills. Right. If anything, uh, I would argue that Joss Whedon has the opposite skill. You yeah, know, with right. doing Avengers, he was able to take what the other directors did, like what what um, can't think of the guy's name, the uh, freaking Happy Happy Hogan. Oh, in John Favreau. Iron, Favreau. He was able to take Favreau's way of doing Iron Man and blend it in with the guy who did Rocketeer and Captain America. Name also blanking on. Sorry, uh, but he was able to take different kind of visual styles and visions from other directors from the movies previously, and kind of compile them into the Avengers. And so there was right. like a little bit of everything. Uh, I agree, but I also feel like none of those guys had as strong of a of a of a, uh, a visual style is, as Zack Snyder. Is Snyder, that's true. That's very true. Um, but anyway, uh, those are some of the a couple things I like. What about you, man? What, what, what were okay. some of the things you liked in the movie? Well, uh, definitely Wonder Woman. I thought Gal Gadot, which we you know we had a lot of question marks. Remember, like we didn't know, we didn't hear her talk, we didn't, we didn't know how that was going to play out. Uh, I thought she did fantastic. I would have liked to have seen more of her. Uh, I think she wasn't given enough to do, in fact, and. I, but what it does is it really makes me look forward to the Wonder Woman movie. And here's something else I'm going to give DC a lot of credit on. Um, they've already, in just like a small fraction of a film, of a very, very long film, they've put Wonder Woman in. And already people are very high on the buzz for her. And she's already getting her own self-titled movie, you know, where she's headlining. That's something that Marvel has had almost a decade's worth of time to do and has not done. Yeah, so, totally right. so definitely kudos to DC on that, um, and that that scores a lot of brownie points, you know, because that's uh, with audiences just in general. Because that that's something you know people have been giving a lot of backlash toward Marvel for, like why haven't you made a Black Widow movie? She can clearly carry a movie of some sort, you know, it doesn't have to be a gigantic movie, but it, you know, do something. You know, throw Hawkeye in there if you want. He's this guy's begging for for stuff all the time, Runner. You know, so like get no. him in there. Like, well, I know you don't want Runner, no. but um. so so I really did like Gal Gadot. I I, I thought this was a great uh, moment for her as an actress. Uh, not that it was like a super hard role to pull off, but but she nailed it. And uh, and then the music. I already said the score was fantastic. Uh, like Wait, you we said, are struggling Sn- to find good stuff to say. Snyder. Well, Snyder. <laughs> Snyder, like you said, has a very sharp, distinctive visual style. And Zimmer really matched it with the score. And the film is big. It's grandiose, right? Like, I was able to see it in 2D IMAX. Um, By the way, this movie was not shot in 3D. So if you see it in 3D, that's post-production conversion. It's probably not going to look great. And I've heard that it does not look great in 3D, just for anyone out there that plans on seeing it again and wants to see it in 3D. It's probably because it's so dark, man. It's hard to see yeah. a lot of the action scenes. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it's blurry. I've heard it's blurry. So Getting back um, to Wonder Woman, though, if you don't mind <clears throat> yeah. talking about her a little bit longer, um, I do definitely give credit to DC for... I mean, it, it's we, <laughs> we have such low standards for this stuff just because there haven't been great, you know, strong female superhero characters on in, in movies. Um, but, you know... Hey, there's a a big moment in this movie where she really kind of saves the day and and really swings the the major the biggest battle of the film, and that's that's a role that really Marvel has never put a female character in. You're yeah. definitely not seeing Black Widow doing that. Um, having said that, I mean the the movie still does 
kind of resort to some of the typical superhero tropes. Oh. You still got Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Damsel yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to touch on her once we get into the what we didn't necessarily like about the film. Right. So, and as cool but, as the moment is for Wonder Woman, I mean, Gal Gadot spends most of the rest of the movie just kind of as eye candy uh, when she's Diana Prince. You know, there's not a whole lot of, of, of depth to her character, and it's cool that we're going to get a movie to, to kind of flesh that out. But Yeah. That's why I'm giving DC a pass on this for right. for that part of it because she is getting her own full movie. Mm-hmm. So I imagine, you know, if they don't flush her out, then okay, now we're gonna have a problem. But they should be able to. It's her own movie. So uh, and clearly they're making reference to you know things that happened a hundred years ago. So there's clearly gonna be a lot of room for the, for her backstory. Um, other things that I liked of. Uh, <laughs> the special effects were done well, uh, at, you know. Yeah. At the same time, there are some shots uh, that, considering how big of a film this is, how they stopped shoot, they finished uh, you know principal photography over a year and a half ago. So you know, I don't know if you remember, this movie was supposed to come out in 2015. Then they they delayed it so that they could work on the special effects. There's still some shots where I'm like, huh, they had all that time and all this money, and it still doesn't look perfect uh not that that's an easy thing to do but you just would think with all this time and money that they could have made everything look look perfect um uh you know like you said it is a very visually pleasing film it's a big film i i it's weird as much as it's a joyless film and i definitely i don't know really how i can recommend seeing this more than once but i do think if you Regardless of the critics, the movie critics, regardless regardless of the fans, regardless of us, if you have any inkling of seeing this film, see it on a big screen. See it in a movie theater because it's a very, very big film. The scope of the film is large and huge. And you're going to do yourself a disservice if you wait to watch it on Netflix or whatever later on. You might be doing yourself a disservice if you just watch it at all, though, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I agree. And I actually, you know, another thing I I liked was the, was the beginning, not just um, not just the the opening kind of mugging slash killing of Bruce's parents, but um, seeing the ending of Man of Steel through Bruce Wayne's eyes. I thought, was yeah, that cool. was nice. That That's was something cool. that we haven't really. I don't even think Marvel's done that, have they? kind of revisiting an earlier scene, but well, through the perspective of a different no, character. No, and that's what I remember. We've talked about this Yeah, before. we thought that's what they with were going to do. Right. With Spider-Man. I thought maybe they would put him, like, in the Battle of New York. And, you know, maybe they still do something like that. We don't really know. I Probably not. But that's, that's – you're right. That is something Marvel hasn't done. I did like it kind of, like, meanwhile. Like, they did, like, a meanwhile. And, yeah. you know, Bruce Wayne's driving around, like, being really angry. Um, I did like Ben Affleck's portrayal. So this is this is where it gets a little tricky. I think Ben Affleck is going to be a great Batman, and I think he's a fantastic Bruce Wayne. Are we getting into the negative stuff now? Well, I think we can we can jump from here because although I liked all of that, and I also suspect that his, his he's going to write supposedly the rumors he's going to write the next Batman solo solo film and direct it. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot of potential. I think the characterization, and again, this goes back to Zack Snyder, but I think the characterization of Batman is off. And I think the characterization of Superman is off through what Zack Snyder is trying to do. And again, it's problematic because this is the launching point for these characters and how we're supposed to know them for the next 10 years. 
And when it's filtered all through this like grim, dark, gritty lens that Zack Snyder has, that I think that's problematic. That being said, I did like Ben Affleck as Batman. I mean, we all remember the day that that it was announced that Affleck was going to be Batman, and everyone was like, "No!" Like, <laughs> like he didn't he didn't ruin this film. Okay, uh, it he was, did. It's I not th- on I, him. I thought he was a little too one note, but so was. But I don't much think that's his film. fault. I no. don't think that's his fault. No, he, um, he played Batman as, like, a guy who was, you know, like, always on the verge of falling <laughs> of falling asleep. And I, I know that feeling because I'm always... <laughs> yeah, that, that's your life. That's kind of my life. And that's how he came across in this movie. He looked like he was, like, ready for nap time in every scene yeah. he was in. Yeah, definitely. Well, he's, he's, you got to think about it. Though. Maybe that's some method acting because supposedly Bruce Wayne, like, never gets to sleep. Like, he's... Right. On patrol as Batman all night. He's got all the socialite stuff to do. So maybe he was just really into the character. Like that's how Bruce Wayne would be in real life. Like he would just be super sleepy all the time. Yeah, that's probably true. And Batman. Um. All right, but let's. Okay. So let let's talk about some of the things we didn't like. Uh, do you want to pick maybe three things that especially stood out for you that were egregious in any way? Why don't we just jump right into just, the moment that swings the entire movie? Uh, because okay. this is, I think, the big, the most problematic part of this entire film, and there's there's yeah. much there's a lot to it. Uh, obviously, at this point, if you don't like spoilers, then you've just made a terrible decision listening to these last twenty minutes. But especially now, this is kind of a big. Yeah, moment. we actually haven't really spoiled much yet, but now we're definitely about to. Uh, so Batman's fighting Superman, uh, and. We can go into why they're even fighting to begin with, which is already pretty pretty stupid. Oh, actually, real quick, don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. things that I liked. The actual the fight between Batman and Superman. Yeah, it, it wasn't is, bad. It is really good. It seems maybe a little short, shorter right. than it need, than I wish it was. Like, it, maybe with this extended cut, dear God, but maybe <laughs> that gets flushed out a little bit more and there's more of that because it was really well done. Kudos to Snyder. You staged that fight really well. Thank yeah, you. I particularly liked when Batman starts, you know, he obviously figures out that he can use uh, kryptonite to to weaken it. Yeah. Uh, Superman. And at one point, he does that with, like, a bomb, and he's, like, punching the crap out of Superman, but, like, it's starting to fade away, the effect on, on Superman. So yeah. each punch becomes less effective to the point where he's punching Superman in the face, and it's, like... <laughs> now it's hurting he, him. Yeah, like but it's, it's, like, it's not moving his face even, like, an inch. It's, like... Yeah. He's not reacting. He's just completely yeah. no-selling all the punches. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, it's good stuff. We also kind of get an answer to who would win between Batman and Superman because Batman essentially wins this fight. I mean, he's about to kill Superman who looks completely like he's given up. Uh, and Batman is about to spear him with Kryptonite, yeah. which would, would do it. I mean, who knows? He'd probably come back Wh- to which life. Which would but... do it except... Yeah. Well, except that Superman... <laughs> says save martha which is his mom's name uh who's been kidnapped by lex luther and that's why superman's even in this fight because lex is just like no you got to go fight batman if you want me to release martha oh. turns out batman's mom is also martha and this brings back all the memories of batman's parents of bruce wayne's parents is dying he's like what? his dad saying martha right before he dies yep he's got oh yep. you need me to save martha she's your mom we had this our moms have the same name and then, I mean, that's already pretty dumb, but then what's even dumber is that from that point on till the end of the movie, and I guess potentially till the end of this whole universe, to the end of this entire series, Batman and Superman are now just best friends. So I saw a meme 
Yeah, was it the Step Brothers meme? The Step Brothers yeah, meme. Which is funny because I made that joke before that meme came out. I swear to God, I want to take credit I for it. I believe you. I believe you. I feel I like I put you. that in the world before that meme came out. Oh, that's cool. I totally believe that, yeah. and you were welcome to that credit. Yeah, I saw the, you know, my mother's name is Martha. My mother's name is Martha. Are we best friends now? <laughs> yep. Like the so you know if you haven't seen Step Brothers that's what it's from, totally accurate though like that is that's exactly <laughs> that's what happened essentially I, what they did. I, I'm pretty sure even in the next scene when he goes to, when Batman actually saves Martha yeah. Superman's mom she's like who are you he's like oh I'm your son's friend I'm your son's friend it's like no I'm I'm I just literally 20 minutes ago tried to kill your son yeah no now we're friends like what um, it's just also- crazy to me that that <laughs> this whole movie that's built around these two guys fighting. <laughs> Can swing on that that's kind of nuts to me so so okay now that we're really diving deep into the things that are problematic with the film um i think that is a perfect example of my most of my problems with this movie there are a lot of choices that the characters in this film make that make no sense um I agree. Gonna, the motivations what, 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 are really muddy. Oh, they're 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 convoluted, but also paper thin at the same time. It's like, I think how do you even do that? I think what's wrong with this movie, a lot of it is that the the action kind of drives the characters, and not the other way around. If that right. makes any sense, the action drives the narrative and the characters. Yeah, which is which is a little weird. Which right. is like okay for a movie like Hardcore Henry, which I just actually saw last night, and it's a really fun movie. It's not a great movie, but it's really fun. It's really yeah. entertaining. Like that makes sense for that movie. This is a universe building film tentpole for Warner Brothers in DC that like needs to get more right. But let's go back. I want to go further back. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the film. A couple of things, real quick. Okay, so there is a character that is with Lois Lane at the beginning <laughs> oh, yeah. of the film who gets shot in the head, right? Turns out he's a CIA agent. He's a photographer, CIA agent. Gets shot in the head. They're in the I'm Middle like, East okay. somewhere. They're in the, they're, they're, yeah, they're like in a desert. Actually, they're like in a somewhere. desert yeah. somewhere. They're in Africa, yeah. Um, he gets shot in the head. He gets killed. And I'm like, okay, wow, that was pretty dark. Like, all right. He's not named on screen at any point. No. No name. You do not find out until the credits. Spoiler. Total big spoiler. Who cares? At the end of the credits, it's Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> they just shot Jimmy Olsen in the face. Jimmy Olsen, best friend of Superman. 75 years of comic book continuity. Gone. Not even named on screen. Are you kidding me? Like. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that. You told me that like on Facebook days after I saw it, and I was like, "What? How is that even possible?" This is almost like in X Men Three when like Cyclops dies off camera. Off I don't screen. even show it. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's like also like here's an opportunity to really up the stakes. Like Jimmy Olsen gets killed. Like that's a big yeah. character, and it, you you completely kill the, the the chance of that having any emotional yeah. weight by not even letting us know that it's him. Right. It's the like, easiest okay. fucking thing in the world. <laughs> I'm okay with you killing him. I think, I think, and again, this is where Zack Snyder's vision is becomes problematic moving forward. Because now, what if there is a director two or three movies down the line that wanted to use Jimmy Olsen? You can't now. 
Yeah. Like, well, it's not the because, biggest loss, but yeah, I mean, you're no, right. No, but, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, what Zack Snyder is doing to me, one of the, the most egregious things, is he paints these characters into corners that are going to be difficult to get out of moving forward when other directors are going to be handling these characters. But, okay, again, going back to the beginning of the film, the other thing, I don't mind, okay, there's all this controversy with Man of Steel, right? Superman breaks General Zod's neck and kills him. It's this big moment. It's very divisive in the nerd world. Right, because Superman doesn't it. kill people. Superman doesn't kill. Whatever. Yeah. I actually kind of get it. Like, this is a movie interpretation. You want to do something different. You're trying to be bold. Okay. Like, I personally don't like the idea of Superman killing because uh, he's supposed to be, like, the epitome of, like, goodness in the world and whatever. And the fact that he's an alien is supposed to play off of that and blah, 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 blah. So... But fine, he kills General Zod because he almost has no other choice or recourse at that point. Like, it's getting out of hand, and, like, all these people are dying. He's finally realizing that. Whatever. In this movie, at one, at very early, at the very beginning, Lois Lane is in danger, and we'll get on her in just a second. Uh, didn't mean to say it that way, <laughs> but whatever. She's being held with a gun to her face by, like, a despot, like, a, like an African warlord guy. And she makes it so that Superman can do something to save her, right? She she allows that she allows herself to kind of be um, free of the situation for a second, and so Superman can do a number of things at this point. He can do freezing ice breath. He can laser beam the gun out of the guy's hand or destroy the gun. But what does he choose to do? He goes full speed, full force, pushes this guy through multiple walls. <laughs> This guy's mush, right? This guy's dead. Superman didn't have to kill in this instant. I get, <laughs> I get when you have Superman killing because there was absolutely no other choice, and he still has to struggle with that. But now he's just killing because his girlfriend's in trouble. Well, when there were literally a thousand other ways you could have resolved that situation. Do we know for sure that guy died though? He got pushed to like three walls, full speed, Superman. There's no way he's not much. What if what if Superman's breaking the walls? But but he was holding the guy in front of him. <laughs> I know, but like, there's a lot of scenes that happen in Superman lore where like he's or not whatever like in his history where he's doing like crazy violent things to people, but they don't actually show them dying, so you don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Yeah. It still kind of fits. I think the Zod thing was like very clearly like okay no he's definitely dead so like that's yeah I just the other thing I... that was weird about that scene was like Superman got blamed for that for that incident when like why like what did he yeah. like that could have been so, so... easily cleared up with just like no I I went there and I saved Lois Lane yeah and like I didn't that. cause well, any of the destruction I did none of that other than that one guy other than that one guy. The, all the other people that were dead that they were blaming on Superman, by the way, were riddled with bullet holes. <laughs> Does Superman have a gun? No. Do they have laser beams through them? Okay, then it was Superman. Yeah. No. It's it's like there's so many choices in this film that just really don't make sense. Fine. Whatever. Okay, going back to Lois Lane. Um, okay, so as much as they do well and right with Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, and I like Amy Adams. I think she, she does a good job acting i think she's trying to do the best she can but man lois lane is just classic damsel in distress every freaking scene yeah. in this film it is obnoxious she, she is such a liability i feel like she's just not not you know to take us back you know 50 years in the in the women's rights movement but she should really just stay at home 
Um, yeah, she should just be on lockdown. Like, <laughs> she causes so many problems. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. And... Uh, okay. So that leaves us to. So I want. I think we should spend maybe the rest of this talking about the other two main characters in this film, okay. which are uh, Batman and, of course, Lex Luthor. Who oh, do you want can to we? Can I say first? one more thing about Superman before we move on? Yeah. Uh, the court scene where he's testifying and the court mm-hmm. blows up because there's a bomb there. Yeah, cool scene, by the way. Cool I mean, scene, but, like, he's Superman, right? Like, couldn't he hear, like, the bomb ticking or, like, feel yeah. something, like, the bomb? Or couldn't he do I, his whole, like, reversing time bullshit? And, <laughs> you know, like, he, they, he really did nothing, and it's making me wonder if, this, if there's a swerve there and he's just kind of like, eh, I'm going to let this one go. Yeah. Uh, there is that one throwaway line where he talks to Lois at, he, like he flies to Lois's hotel and they're talking and he goes, you know, he basically says something like, I should have heard something. I didn't hear anything. I didn't know. Like I wasn't paying attention. He basically says he wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Which is, uh, like... which is, <laughs> but does that mean that every time he hears Lois Lane screaming, he's, he has to be paying attention. Like how? But so how often is he thinking about her all the but time? But he's eight. Yeah, yeah, because he's always saving her. Like always, right. always under any circumstance, no matter where she is on the planet. Um, actually, before we tackle Batman and Lex Luthor, the I, last thing I, I do not want to tackle Batman, dude. Uh, that's okay, gonna be that's, that's gonna be bad news for us. Bad news. But the one thing about Superman that really troubles me with this universe's version of Superman is that there is no difference between Clark Kent and Superman. Clark Kent is like a shell of an, of a character of an individual in this universe. There is no time and no effort given to flesh out any of the, you know, Clark Kent persona within this universe. And, you know, Snyder has gone on record saying that he gets really annoyed when people hang so tight to the Christopher Reeve Superman and all of that, and he just doesn't get it. And that's fine. You don't get it. You don't get it. Kudos to you for admitting it, I guess. But the thing that he does not seem to understand is what people like about, especially the first two Superman movies, is all of the Clark Kent, like, awkwardness and the humor and the bumbling around. And it just, it opens itself to all of this levity of this godlike person trying to be human because he's not, but he's trying and he's trying to figure out what that means and how that works as a character arc is such a big thing that is completely missing in this Zack Snyder Justice League universe. You're totally right. I mean, the people who invented this character decades ago understood that to make him relatable to us, they needed the Clark Kent character. And that's what makes Superman feel human and relatable to us. And for some reason, now, so many years later, we decide, no, we're just going to show you the godlike, super sad, super boring version of this character, and that's it. Like, this was the most boring, I think, Superman I've ever seen on film. He's so glib. Like, he's so glum. He's so... Yeah. You know, and the thing is, the original creators of Superman, they were basically boys. I mean, they were young teens, mid-teens, you know, teenagers, mm-hmm. early 20s. They were immigrants. So what they did with Clark Kent was like an extension of their own, you know, uh, their own personalities. They were immigrants coming to America, trying to assimilate to American culture, just like Superman is an alien trying to assimilate to Earth 
being an earthling. Yep. And that's gone. That's just gone. Like, that's just not important now. Don't need it. Wow. Like, that's my biggest problem with Superman. Small side note before we move on to Batman. Perry White, Mm -hmm. the editor of Daily Planet, might be one of my least favorite characters in this whole movie. Lawrence Fishburne, Mm. who's usually great. Uh, The way that he just, like, thinks of stories in terms of headlines (laughs) was, like, driving me absolutely nuts. I was like, what is this? And then, like, after the whole movie of this guy being headline obsessed, you get to the final headline. It's like, Superman dead. And then the subhead is missing a comma. Yeah. Okay, this is only the kind of shit I see or, like, editors. Well, you're an editor. Reporters do. But still, it was like, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, All right. Let's move on to Batman. I did roll my eyes at that moment as well. Uh, Yeah, Batman. Okay, so we already kind of covered that, you know, I think we both thought Ben Affleck did what he could. It is a one-note character. Here's my problem with Batman. I'll make it brief. Uh, I'm fine with it most of all. Like, he kills whatever, I guess. Like, he's killed in other films. There's an internet video about it uh, that Zack Snyder even references about, like, how many people have Batman killed in all the other Batman films, whether indirectly or directly. But here's the thing. When you have Batman just, like, killing... thugs and goons left and right like at one point i think he literally runs over some people with his batmobile (laughs) yeah like he launches it in the air and he runs them over um what stops him from killing the joker later on what stops him from just going up to the joker and go fuck you and shoots him in the face but also he's fighting superman because superman killed people you know what i mean right like, yeah, his whole reason for killing Superman is that he was the one who destroyed his city by killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, not intentionally, but still. And then he's going out and doing the same thing. <laughs> by the way, there was a small throwaway line in there that I noticed the second time I watched it. There were, like, dozens killed in the Metropolis at- you know, alien attacks from Man of Steel, presumably. Yeah dozens yeah. really no 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 that was thousands of people that got killed there. that was I hundreds of how... thousands that was probably like, like that was like 9 11 times 10 okay like, i don't i love how they somehow squished it down to dozens i literally laughed <laughs> the second time i saw the movie and i caught that and i was like oh no oh man whatever um yeah so any any for you though for you batman uh any other problems that you have with him? Like I said, he was a little too one note, a little too just like there. W- there wasn't much depth or range there. Um, so again, to me, he was also it was also one of the most boring versions of of, of Batman I've ever seen. There was, was one thing I would argue is that this Batman definitely lacked savvy. He. You know, I've seen people hashtag dumb man. Yeah, he's supposed to be brilliant. Ba- he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. And he's constantly being played by Alex Luthor. He's being played by the dude in the wheelchair. Like, literally everyone is directing Batman's actions but Batman. Even Superman is, at one point, directing Batman's actions. Yeah, Batman at one point is looking for someone and then realizes that the person he's looking for is actually a boat. Like, that actually happens in the <laughs> Oh, oh my God! I, you're right. I just haven't heard someone put it out, put it that way, and it's really, really funny when you put it that way. Oh, by the way, going back to the things I liked, Jeremy Irons, I think. Oh yeah, is my favorite Alfred of all time. He was really good. Yeah, it's great. As much as I love Michael Caine, and I won't bear another Batman. Like you know, I, I yeah, 
Yeah, uh, Jeremy Irons killed it. Let's. I want more Irons for sure. Um, all right, dude. Let's let's jump into Lex Luthor now. Um, oh boy. So I saw it on Monday. I saw it before you did, and I came away. And I told the one. The first thing I think I told you was, I can't wait to see how much you shit on the Lex Luthor character. <laughs> but. W- but that being said, yeah. you saw it, and what what did you tell me? So I, so I was looking at it very much from just Eisenberg's performance. I mean, we can get into how Lex Luthor was written and how his motivations are, like, really muddy and, like, not very well presented in this movie. But I, I was kind of looking at it just as how the character come, comes across and how Jesse Eisenberg does in that role. Overall, I didn't think it worked. I wasn't a fan of it. But... Mm-hmm. I was expecting to hate it, and I think because everyone else was just so one-dimensional, and I keep going back to this word, but one note, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I, I at least appreciated that there was someone in the cast who was doing something a little bit different, who was kind of like playing a different note. And I found myself, when he was on screen, at least being kind of perking up, not like in a sense like, oh, this is going to be good, or I can't wait to see what he does, but like... I didn't really know where he was going to go. He, there was some kind of element of surprise. Um, um, yeah, he was unpredictable and unpredictable, right? And I think you know some of his scenes worked okay, and some like really mm-hmm. failed spectacularly. So I think overall, I kind of appreciated that effort. Okay, <laughs> but that's I a good wasn't. Word. That's a I good wasn't. Word. You're hedging so hard though, right now. I am, but I also. But, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say like you got. You have to see Jesse Eisenberg in this movie. He's great as Lex Luthor. I don't think I don't think it worked, and I, I think, but I think a lot of the problem could have been also, or was really, in in the way that that character was written. Because if I was an actor and and that was what was on the on the page, I would have been confused too. I mean, it's like you're playing two different characters basically. Okay, so here here's I have an amazing, amazing, amazing story for you. Okay, that is going to make so much sense now, to you. You're gonna be like, oh my god. <laughs> So I did a little research after seeing the film the second time, and it turns out that the original person that they wrote, essentially wrote the the Lex Luthor character for and had intended to cast as Lex Luthor was Brian Cranston. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. That's cool. When, that would have been awesome. Which is, which is perfect. Here's what happened. Going back to the Jimmy Olsen thing, Zack Snyder wanted to do a little Drew Barrymore action, a la Scream, and have this very important character in the Superman mythos, Jimmy Olsen, be played by a very big actor, but be killed in the very beginning of the film. Okay. Jesse Eisenberg. Oh. Jesse Eisenberg was originally brought in to play Jimmy Olsen, which makes perfect sense yeah it does for whatever reason eisenberg went in to read for olsen because the scene was much longer olsen had a bigger role not much bigger but bigger they named him for instance in the film (laughs) eisenberg goes in to read for olsen for some reason snyder gets a an epiphany Mm -hmm. and decides you know what you're so quirky, Eisenberg, with your Jimmy Olsen. Have you? Let's have you read the Luther lines. Yeah. And then that's the direction they went in. So did Cranston even come in? Nope. 
Oh my god. That's so, so sad. I mean, so when you find out all of that, a that makes perfect sense. Like that, <laughs> that says everything to me. Because uh, Jason Eisenberg does make sense as Jimmy Olsen. Totally. Brian Cranston makes insane amount of sense as Lex Luthor. Um, here's what I think about Eisenberg's performance. You're right. It is very different from everyone else, but it's so different that it's distracting to me. And yeah, I get, right. I get that. Yes. It makes you perk up a little bit. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. Well, at least something different is happening, but it is so different. It feels like it's in a different world. Like it doesn't even fit with everyone else. Yeah, no, you're right. I and, agree with that. And, and if you're going to screw over all these other characters, you might as well screw over Lex Luthor too. Like, I don't know why you're saving him. And the, and the thing is, I, I do applaud Eisenberg for what he tried to do, but it's like, I feel like he tried to run and jump and grab the ladder on the helicopter, but he missed and now he fell and smushed on the ground. Like he tried, he reached for it, but he missed. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I, like I said, I don't, I don't think it was successful. And I think, I, I think they didn't really quite figure out what they even wanted Lex Luthor to be. I think he started off right. as like this, almost like evil Zuckerberg. Evil Zuckerberg, character. right. And just ends up as like a just a madman, a crazy madman. Um, and that's a I love that you made that point because that goes back to my Snyder because he's so he has such a vision. Whether you agree with it or not, he's painting all of these characters and in, into corners and putting them in boxes. To now, like, what do you do with them moving forward? Like, where they leave Lex Luthor now, it's going to be hard to do anything with him because. In the comics, he's a really brilliant, smart businessman. He's a brilliant scientist. He's the president of the United States at one point. You can't do that stuff now with him, like where they leave him. <laughs> Unless they know. do some think, crazy retconning. I mean, I, think I just they, feel like... Yeah. I think you're right, but I mean, it's in the end, it's a comic book universe. You can kind of do whatever you want. That's true. That's and true. I they could do some time jumps. And I was like going to kind of leave this for the last bit, but... I, I I think DC has an opportunity here to to fix this, and I think the best thing they can do is is to move away from 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 this, and also Zack Snyder. Snyder, and okay. and start can I tell a new. You something? I think I think there's a chance here to still I, to fix this. Can I tell and I think you something? Suic- yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, please. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop saying. No, no. It. I, I want you to say what you're gonna say, but I think especially if Suicide Squad does well and people react positively to that, I think DC could call an audible. And, and kind of go in a different direction here. And I, I think they still have a chance to and almost kind of forget about this the, this whole movie and, and, and the universe could still work. Because the Justice I, League hasn't quite started yet. So I agree 100%. I agree 100,000%. But? Production on Justice League is supposed to start in three weeks. <laughs> well, you got with three Zex, weeks. Well, with, the thing is they're Zex probably like looking at all the, all the dollar bills rolling in. They're like, more, more, more. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, they have to be looking at all these reviews they too, have and to. being that has to concern them on some level. Uh, real quick, as we we really are getting off of the BVS now, but like we didn't even touch on the cameos, so let's. That's what I want to end. Oh on. yeah, the cameos. So this is supposed to be a backdoor movie for these other characters, um, for for Wonder Woman, for Flash, for Aquaman, for Cyborg. In the most cartoonish way possible, <laughs> they introduce these characters literally by Wonder Woman clicking on an email, clicking on files that somehow have these characters' logos 
So I guess we're to believe that Lex Luthor paid some graphic artist uh, or computer artist yeah. to create specific logos for his files. So silly. <laughs> and then we see surveillance footage of, I mean, I, the Cyborg one was kind of cool. The other two were like nothing. Um, but here's the thing. I don't understand why they chose to do it this way. If you're going to do, like, you could even take the same stupid, boring surveillance scenes, but do exactly what you did with Bruce Wayne at the beginning. You saw, you saw the Man of Steel stuff from the perspective of Bruce Wayne, right? Mm-hmm. How about, meanwhile, Aquaman in the water while all that shit's going on above ground, it's causing tidal waves and stuff in the ocean. And so Aquaman's like, ah, oh, shit, gotta <laughs> do stuff. And, and maybe there's a bunch of crime going on while all of this destruction is happening. And so the Flash is like, oh, gotta stop this robbery from happening. Yeah. Like, why not just frame it that way? That's not even harder. That's probably easier to do. I think like, the problem with that is that it, it makes them look weak and that they're not really helping out. You know what I mean? But they are helping, right? They I are guess. helping. I mean, well, you just said Aquaman is just kind of mildly annoyed by the one. Well, he also... <laughs> but that's the thing about Aquaman. Like, he he doesn't like surface dwellers, right? That's right. part of his character. Well, that's true. So, so that can just build on that even more or, so. I mean, also, like, do we... Do we? I mean, DC kind of did this with the trailer, and that they they gave us a little too much. Like, yep. couldn't like the next movie's Aquaman? Couldn't they have just teased Aquaman and, and saved the other guys? You know what I mean? Like, you could have used Aquaman as a chance to introduce. Is it the Flash that's the next movie? Yeah, Flash. And, and then, then you could have used oh, Flash that's... to introduce Cyborg. I mean, there's there's ways of kind of so... slowly building up that excitement instead of just kind of dropping it all in our laps all at once. They didn't. They didn't need to do that. They actually didn't need to cameo them in this. Oddly enough. Um, and, and it was also weird in that you could see them being like, okay, we're not going to do what Marvel does with the post-credit sequences, so we're just going to do essentially post-credit sequences, but right in the middle of the fucking film. Right in the middle of the film doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, the other really funny thing, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that when Wonder Woman is clicking on the files, she clicks on them in the order of the movies that are coming out. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, and what that says to me is DC is trying too hard. They're trying too hard. You guys need to let it go a little bit, okay? You got to you got to play this a little bit looser, I think. Um, so, you know, I can't really. It's weird. Like, I don't. I can't recommend the film, but I still feel like if you're if you want to see it, see it. Sure, see it in the see it on a big screen. See it in IMAX. We haven't even want. talked. I mean, this is how crazy this movie is. We haven't even mentioned Doomsday, who is literally like the character, like one of the biggest rivals in the DC universe, who actually kills Superman in the comics. We haven't even we haven't even mentioned him yet. We haven't even talked about the big like twist reveal at the end, like the the the, the thing that they actually didn't show in the trailer. And I was, you know, the thing that I joked about before was if the movie had come out a week later, they would have put this in the trailer. Um, spoiler alert: Superman dies in this movie, and yeah. that's great. Hey, cool. That was a cool moment. Superman Doomsday kill each other. Okay, wasn't expecting that. I actually wasn't, and so. I think that was something that you gave the fans, right? Uh, here's yeah, but something the thing is, friend- it was so... Oh, sorry. You go ahead, finish no, go your ahead, thought. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, it was done, it's done in such a way where, like, no... It, it, had, it really didn't have any importance because... I'm not even going to say spoiler alert, but, like, he's, he's essentially comes back to life minutes later. So it's like you don't... It doesn't they have... Did, they- 
that kind of weight to it that the comics did. When when he died in the comics, people actually believed he was gone because DC. Well, and he was gone believe. for like six months. Well, yeah, yeah six months in real. Six time. months isn't exactly the same thing as what ten minutes of screen time. Yeah. It's the same thing issue what they had with the Gwen Stacy and the Amazing Spider-Man too. I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, my friend, my friend that I saw it with on on Monday, one of my friends, she brought up an excellent point. You know, DC didn't do any any post credit sequences, but what they should have done, at least this, what they should have done, is ended the movie on the pan down to the casket with the dirt on it. Movie ends. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, Post-credit right. sequence, post-credit sequence, the dirt moves a little bit. Bam! Even that is better than what they did. Yeah, or no or no dirt moving. Like, actually Don't do let the us, dirt movement. Let us, you know, go a couple of weeks wondering, a couple of months, a couple, maybe even more yeah. than a year wondering if Superman's even going to come back. What's wrong with that? I think it's a bold choice. I think it's a smart choice. I think Superman, obviously they don't know what to do with him, so to get him out of the way, that's. I think that's actually a smart idea. But don't tease that he's coming back right away. Like, yeah, you know, give it time. Anyway, uh, that's all I got. I mean, there's actually is so much more I could say about this movie, but uh, one, I'll end it on a positive note. How about that? One thing it. I really did like about the film is that Snyder, you know, and granted, I don't think he's like a fan of the comics, but I think one of his production assistants or something might have been, and they must have shown him different panels of different actual comic books because there are a lot of shots that are straight out of a comic. Mm-hmm. They're straight out of real comic books that, that are from these characters. But one of my favorites, if not my most favorite, is in Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, Superman gets hit with a nuke, and that happens in this movie as well. It's a really cool sequence. And you see Superman, like, on the verge of death. Like, he's super thin. He's like a skeleton, essentially. It's really creepy and ghoulish, and I loved it in the comic. And they actually put it in the movie. That is probably my favorite single sequence in the film. I was really happy that Snyder put that in. That's true. That was actually really cool. I got to say, as much as I don't want to watch a three-hour version of this movie, I do wonder if it might actually get a little better because... This movie had suffered from a lot of the same <clears throat> issues that I think Fantastic Four did, even though Fantastic Four was a much worse movie. Yeah, that that's true. Also, make that things kind of jumped from from place to place, and it seemed like there were just parts that were missing. And I wonder if the thirty, the three hour version might fill in the gaps a little more. Like maybe we'll actually find out that that's Jimmy Olsen who dies. That's what I hear. That's the rumor that you actually hear his name on yeah. fucking screen at one point. So okay, man. Well. You know, and that's we did talk about that. There's going to be a 30 minute longer Blu-ray cut, and I think actually I read that supposedly DC's thinking about doing a Warner Brothers about re-releasing the film in three to four months during the summer as a three-hour R-rated cut. It might be a better movie. I mean, like I said, I don't, I'm not really interested in sitting through that, but I, I think yeah. it might do it. I think it might actually improve the movie depending on what was cut. But uh, definitely, if, here's if what they can, should do if they're really going to do that. They need to make it. They need to put an intermission in the middle. Yeah, right. And 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 do it. Go ahead and do it during the summer if you really want, and and do a little intermission, kind of like the Hateful Eight did, and and go go that way. I, do. Um, I think. All right, you know, we, we might even have more shit to talk about next week about this movie because there's so much. But we got to we got to keep going. We promised you guys so a extra special, supersized edition of CBC. So we're gonna go a little bit longer this week. Since last week we recorded a full episode, but it didn't make it to air because of technical difficulties. 
This so, is yeah. That that was the edited. That was the PG thirteen. This is the R rated cut. The extra the extra thirty minutes. That's right. Um, um. So I know you have a couple of, or you had a DC thing you wanted. Let me to yeah. Let yeah. me talk about that real quick if you don't mind. So one thing that I am really excited about is the Wonder Woman movie coming out. Um, Jason Fuchs is the uh, the writer treatment for the Wonder Woman film. We also just found out uh, pretty recently that he's going to be doing the treatment for a possible Lobo film. Okay, so, you know, obviously we just get a tease of what Wonder Woman is in this movie, and I don't know how much Jason had a hand in any of that, but if the Wonder Woman is any good, and from what I've seen, so far it looks pretty nice, uh, maybe this is the right direction for Warner Brothers DC to go in to give their talented people who are doing good things more stuff to do. Uh, I just feel sorry for Jason Fuchs, because he must be he must be getting stalked by Danny Trejo right now, and I, I just... <laughs> I feel That's bad for right. him. He must be just yeah. outside his door, twenty four seven, trying to get that. He's logo. just leaving really cryptic voicemails. Can we have a world <laughs> where Aquaman, the the cinematic Aquaman, looks like the comic book Lobo? You know what I mean? Like, what, yeah. Maybe for Lobo, though, just they should have him look like the uh, comic book Aquaman. <laughs> oh, like just totally reverse it. <laughs> yeah. Flip it and reverse that it. That would be kind of cool. That would be really funny. On that note, actually, James Wan, who's going to be directing uh, Aquaman. Uh, has promised a more fun kind of tonally version of Aquaman compared to uh, Man of Steel and BVS. Shouldn't be hard. Yeah, definitely. That's a low bar. That's low-hanging fruit. But here's the other little kind of back end on that news is that Snyder supposedly is going to be helping out to help shape this expanded universe, even with this Aquaman film. And I literally heard that news and I showed it to you. And my immediate response was no, (laughs) like I don't want more Snyder. I need less Snyder involved. I need less Snyder just as a rule for the rest of all of this stuff for DC. Doesn't that just sound like a bad idea? Like what director is like, you know what I could use someone kind of looking over my shoulder and telling me how yeah, I should shoot. I want them. someone micromanaging me and, and telling me what, but, I should but this kind of goes back to my original point, which is that they chose, I think they just kind of incorrectly chose the, the wrong, they, they chose the wrong guy to start a universe with because it's like, I mean, it's like if you, took a Tarantino movie and we're like, we're going to start doing the whole universe, but without Tarantino the rest of the way, it just yeah. wouldn't tonally, it wouldn't work. There's, there's, yeah. He's too strong of a director visually and stylistically. And so I, uh, I don't know, man, like, is, just, does this mean that Snyder is, is going to be Go involved with every DC movie going forward? Oh, it's God, just, I hope it not. seems like too it, much. That, that thought, what you just said made me cringe. Like I physically <laughs> cringed. I'm not even joking. I know these are just movies, but like, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. Like, if that's the case, that is not something I want to see. What I would, what, you know, I'm just throwing a name out there, and I know he's already involved with Star Wars now doing episode eight. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, the guy who did Looper. Yeah. And Brick. Like, what if that guy had done BVS? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's very good at doing kind of a darker, tonally films, and, but he's not such an overwhelming director where you know he's gonna have to put his imprint on everything else i I don't know i think that would an alternate universe in which ryan johnson would have directed this film i would have liked to have seen um all right man let's let's take a step back let's take a breather let's look at something some marvel stuff um so in between uh well just prior to the last podcast and, and i'll be behind the scenes here we actually did cover this on that unfortunately we lost it 
Uh, they did release a new X-Men trailer for X-Men Apocalypse. And it's really cool. It's very visually striking. We're not going to play it for you now. Uh, but we will link it into the comments. Um, but the one thing I really want to take away from this is that Psylocke looks amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, looks like super comic accurate. Just jumps off the page. Fan- yeah. Like jumps off the page, jumps off the screen. Um, visually it looks great. The action looks great. Um, you see the budget in the film. Like they make, you, they obviously made use of the budget for special effects, but it looks good. It looks yeah. very, very good. Obviously Brian Singer has been in this universe for some time now and he's very comfortable. He knows what to do, and I'm really looking excited. Uh, I'm really I'm anticipating this uh, this movie. What, what do you think? Yeah, you know, in fact, we should actually get a, a Deadpool going of our own to reference the movie from earlier. Mm. Uh, like, right. which comic book characters we think are most <laughs> likely to die? Like, we already know War Machine is pretty high on that list uh, from what we've seen for Civil War. I, right. I got to add Mystique to that list because not <laughs> only is she, like... Yeah. Not only is like Apocalypse about to choke slam her, but um, in the trailer, but Jennifer Lawrence plays that character, and Jennifer Lawrence, I don't believe, is going to sign up to do another one of these. So either they're going to have to use a different actress, or I think just kill off Mystique. And like, I don't, I mean, I think she's the kind of character you can kill off, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean I she's been great. Jennifer be Lawrence like- is fantastic. She can't be enjoying putting on all that damn makeup and stuff on. Like, I'm sure it takes, like, a freaking day just to do <laughs> yeah. that. If you notice in this trailer, a lot of the sequences, it's just her. It's yeah. just Jennifer she's Lawrence. Like, there's up. no, there's, she's just human. It, it, it's like, uh, you know, I think you had said this uh, off the air, but, like, it, it, it's like they were, like, shooting in the script. Like, it's Mystique and her full, and Jennifer Lawrence was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and the thing is, she has that, like, cachet she has now, that power like she, she deserves can, it she can do that yeah because they're not gonna they're can, not gonna say no to her like they she, need her in the movie she um, could definitely veto that um so yeah so another x-men news and we we kind of pegged this one from the start i think uh something something gave us kind of the notion like huh this might not work out so well uh the gambit film is indefinitely delayed at this point so they moved it off of the i think november 2016 date that it was supposed to go which i never thought was going to happen and then they were going to move it to the first quarter of 2017 now that's gone it's just off the schedule now and because of that doug lyman has the you know who they had gotten to to direct the film is off the project so i'm going to ask you this give me a percentage that a gambit film actually ever gets made oh god mon ami uh I mean, that's terrible. It's already gotten to this point, so that there's always a possibility. But with this many false starts, and if you keep getting put on the back burner, there are so many comic book movies later to come out the next couple of years. Yeah, that you you gotta wonder if it's just it gets kind of lost in the shuffle. I think, I think they may try to introduce that character through either X an X Force movie or an X Men movie if enough time passes and they keep missing a chance to start off with their own series. Mm-hmm. And if the character is successful enough and popular enough, then they can go with the movie. But I think at this point, a standalone movie of Gambit as the introduction of that character to the Marvel universe or to the Fox universe is less and less likely. I'm going to, I'm going to put it at 25%. Yeah. Where do you, where are you staying on it? I'd say 25, 35, the highest high end. 
it's not looking good. I think you're right. I think you've got something there with the uh, maybe them introducing him as in a larger ensemble group. Um, they might even Jimmy Olsen him and put him in. Have Channing Tanning played him. Channing Tatum. God, I can never say that guy's <laughs> name. Channing Tatum play him and then kill him. Well, I, I mean, I will say, I think if they introduce him through an ensemble cast, I think our, the chances of it being Channing Tatum probably go down considerably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see where Gambit lands. Uh, he's an interesting character sometimes, and sometimes he's not. So uh, we've talked about before how with the accent and being sort of this Cajun, like that could be problematic in itself, depending on what they do with it. I'm just kind of curious if they ever do do this character, like how that's going to look. I think in an ideal um, world, if, you, if you're if you just a Gambit fan and you wanted that character to survive and do well in the movie universe, I think he could work well in some kind of movie with Deadpool, where he's playing off Deadpool. I think I think that could be a good way of introducing him. Yeah, but yeah. especially that, if you have him like a, like a beer drinking kind of Gambit, like a... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like definitely. a bar, bar fly type Gambit. Um... All right, man. So moving on. Uh, so Preacher recently debuted. Preacher, the Vertigo comic uh, by Garth Ennis, uh, recently debuted at South by Southwest, which was a few weeks ago. And apparently it's getting great rave reviews. Um, and, you know, you and I, we've seen like the little teasers for AMC's, you know, Preacher trailer. And we were like, okay, how do you, you know, how do you take this story, which is very... Uh, unique and unusual and put it into a, a show like a TV show like that but it's getting great reviews the other thing that just came out is they showed the first still of what Arse face is going to look like oh I haven't actually seen and that it's, you haven't seen it oh okay I'll look um, that up right now it, uh, it looks pretty spot on I was actually very surprised uh, that they went that way with it um, now something that you brought up off the air hold was on, that on, I'm pulling it up. Yep. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that looks perfect. Yeah. Uh, so something that you brought up was who necessarily was giving these reviews to Preacher because it can go one of two ways. Yeah, right. You know, if it's comic fans, then, you know, if they're already fans of Preacher, then they might love it, you know, because it's Preacher anyway. Or if it's comic fans, and it's preacher, but it's not like the comic, or not as much like the comic as they want. They might hate it, but I, I actually, I suspect because I've you know been to South by Southwest, sorry South by South by before, that um, I don't think that's what it's called, South by Southwest uh, <laughs> before, and it's just an it's an eclectic collection of people, mostly white, but whatever. It's <laughs> people that like music, people that like food, people that like movies, people that like celebrities. There's a whole tech people that group like there. going on Instagram, you know, a uh, whole tech. And yeah, there's a whole tech sector involved. And so I think the people that saw that saw this uh, preacher, uh, you know, this preacher pilot, uh, I think it was a mixture of people, which I think bodes well, which I think bodes well. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, for the show. Yeah. I mean, we know we, we already know from from what Seth Rogen has said that it's going to be very different from the comic. And I think it kind of has to be. It's it's a without Obviously, going into details. It's, it's a it's a tough thing to adapt into a, a live action uh, movie or or TV show. So you know they they're definitely taking they're a lot of license with it and, and changing it up. But it's cool to see that all the main characters, all the big time characters, are are still there. 
and as long as they kind of bring those to life, I think the movie, I think the show could still do well. Um, but I think all the supernatural stuff, I don't really know how they're going to incorporate that. And I'm really curious, but, um, yeah, yeah. So there's a character called Constantine on the DC side and he had his own show on, I think it was the CBS. Um, and they, and he actually, it didn't last very long. They ended up bringing that character into Arrow, but that character is like very supernatural based and, you know, supernatural is just hard to play with in TV and film. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're like a very niche show, like, or niche show, like, a uh, Buffy or super, like the show supernatural, um, you know, but it's, it's very hard to do. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they take and what they take out for, for Preacher on AMC. But it looks, you know, it looks so far like, uh, you know, full steam ahead. Yeah, I'm excited. Like, I, I like hearing that it's it got good reviews and I'm, I'm super excited about it coming out. On, I actually looked this up May 22nd. So Really? That's soon? That's okay, soon. cool. I didn't know it was that soon. Um, some other, some other on the other, on the TV side of things still, uh, we've got... Arrow, Gotham, and Flash have all been renewed. Um, so that's great. Uh, I, I'm i a really big fan of Flash. Uh, I know I pimp that show a lot on our show. Arrow is good. It's a little inconsistent, and some episodes aren't great. Not going to lie. Gotham, I haven't seen all of it. I love the Penguin in that. Uh, it's uneven as well. But, hey, I mean, that just means that all these shows are still doing well enough and people still care enough to keep them moving along. So... Pretty excited uh, that those are all being renewed, especially Flash. I'm not surprised to hear that news, though. What about you? Uh, you're you're more of you an don't, expert. You don't re- yeah, well, I know you don't really watch the TV side of things. But, it, but I mean, it's no, I mean, I think on a larger scope, I think DC has found uh, a pretty good audience on network TV, um, and we haven't even mentioned Supergirl. But um, but yeah, they, they they seem to be doing well, and I, I like the idea that they're doing more of these crossovers now, um, Supergirl and. And Flash just did a crossover, which we'll try and talk about in maybe next week or a week after that. Um, but no, it's 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 great, and I think it's funny. Like with all the negative BVS reviews coming out, um, people are or some some of the critics that I've seen are actually comparing it to some of these network TV shows, and and actually, kind of these network TV shows are coming out looking looking a lot better in comparison. Yeah. So. You know that's that's well, some that's an area where DC's actually doing pretty well, so that's that's exciting. So, I've talked to several like a gallery of people, I guess, about BVS and stuff, and and a couple of people that I sort of peripherally know um, that are really big comic fans. And one thing that they were really frustrated with with BVS was they said, "How come they can get the Arrow right and Flash on TV so right?" And it's so good. And then on the animation side, the DC animated films are fantastic. Right. I mean, they are like amazing um, interpretations of the graphic novels that they come from. They're so good. And it's like, how do you nail it so much on that side? But when it comes to the films, there's always all these question marks and all these gaps and holes. And it really frustrates a lot of the DC fans. And I get it. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, if you compare the DC animated films to the Marvel ones, there's no competition. Yeah, they're much the better. The DC right? ones are way better. And that's not that the Marvel ones are shit. I mean, some of them are. But they're okay, They're okay, you know, at best, mostly. But the DC ones are, like, legit great. Like, All-Star Superman. The All-Star Superman animated film is... Uh, it is so good. <laughs> and it is so emotionally impacting. And everyone should see it. 
Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, just going on a small tangent there, but like going back to Supergirl, you, you brought her up a second ago. So, so, so the word is that, yes, they are in fact going to do a second season. I think we've touched on that before. And I'm eating crow on that. And good for Supergirl and good for everyone involved with that show. But here is some addended news. Addendum. Addended? Yeah, addended news to that. And that's... I'm all over the yeah, place, yeah, right? All the, it's, yeah. like, it's all the BVS stuff. All yeah. the BVS stuff in my head is just pushing everything else around. Did you around. get to all of it, by the way? I don't even know. Okay. I think well. mostly, but I seriously probably go another hour. <laughs> um, but they might move Supergirl to the CW off of CBS. So I actually think that would be a good move. You've got Arrow and Flash on CW. Um, it's already got that kind of built-in audience on that channel. It's not as big as CBS, obviously's national reach, but I just feel like it'd be more at home. And I think the creators, the people that that handle Supergirl, would have more freedom on CW and not as much pressure um, like they do on the CBS currently. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I never thought to like actually compare those two, but. Um, I mean, it's a show that that seems to still be getting pretty good reviews, and yeah. I'm always kind of surprised because I it, it really doesn't do a whole lot for me. But whenever I read about it, it seems like most people tend to like it, especially critics. So, well, what I really think is interesting about Supergirl is it is really well received, and then there's also a, a like a subgroup of people that really hate it, but they kind of hate watch it, like <laughs> they hate it, and but they watch it. So they can complain about it. But like in the end, that's still good for the show because people are still watching and they're talking about it. So I'm really looking forward to doing the uh, the Flash Supergirl crossover uh, episode on a future pod. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably watch it this week, hopefully, and then get on it next week or the week after, like you said. Um, I've heard good things about it. I've purposefully kind of kept away from anything to spoil it, but like the the kind of the feel out there in the ether of the internet is that it it, it was well done so i actually have something to bring up uh that's super cool related but uh mm-hmm. before we dive into it i thought maybe we could pull over kind of stretch our legs a little bit uh my, my dogs are barking uh, maybe get some punch and pie <laughs> somewhere and uh go see our good friend martha over at go for it casting corner uh that's right another edition of casting corner we're gonna jump right into it with a supergirl related bit of news uh we have uh someone coming on to play well you know what i should i should just say what her name is this is a former wwe wrestler eve torres has been cast to play none other than maxima (laughs) cricket so on an upcoming episode of cbs's supergirl now, Ig, for yeah. those out there in the CBCU that aren't quite familiar with Maxima, because Maxima, honestly, may be a candidate for a what she do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> character. It's, it's uh, a good one, contestant. Um, why don't you give us a little backstory on Maxima, if you don't mind? Yeah. That's right. Okay, so Maxima was created in 1989's Action Comics number 645. Do you have that one, by the way? I might. <laughs> I actually might. Uh, such a nerd. By Roger Stern and George Perez, a princess from the planet Almorak, she ventures to Earth to find a mate in Superman. Seems pretty, mm. pretty. I mean, pretty straightforward. But there's a bit of a swerve here after being rebuffed. Is that, <laughs> hey, is that, it. Is that pronounced correctly? Yeah, no scrubs. I know how to spell it. All right. Uh, by the Man of Steel on several occasions, Maxima turns angry and attacks him. Man. Sounds like an X for me. Maxima right. be crazy. With the advent of the new 52, however, 
Maxima was reintroduced in a similar storyline. This is when it gets interesting. However, with Supergirl in her sights as a potential mate. Ah, so there might progressive, be DC. a bit of a lesbianic type relationship here. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of curious if they're going to... I mean, I guess we do. We're, we live in the age of Glee now. Glee's been on for like 10 years. That's right. Like, it should be normal and it's fine. And I am all for it. I mean, like, the more dynamic stories that you can tell involving people that are that are not always represented on television great great um what if Supergirl's i hope they do like, ew yuck and then kills her like that wouldn't be as if most. and then laser beams <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be um the most progressive <laughs> not so cool not so cool <laughs> like what if she just like tears up a like she, like some little uh like some girls wearing a rainbow bright t-shirt yeah. like with you know like a bunch of rainbows on she's like Ugh! like just yeah just to throw salt. She sh- um, but uh, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, she's look. Ave Torres. I know her from wrestling, and yeah. I, I well, they, I, and this is this is sorry. This is continuing a trend where they got they yeah. had Edge from wrestling, and he that's played right. the Adam, Adam Smasher on yeah. Flash. So that's it. Looks like you know because there's one thing I do know being uh, a moderate wrestling fan as well as that 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 uh, career length as a wrestler just tends not to last very long. It's a very hard life. If this, if these superhero shows and movies now, you know, you've got Dave Batista as Drax, um, allows them a second career. Hey, man, that's great. I bet the wrestling world is loving the superhero um, golden age. Yeah, well, the weird thing is, I mean, people really do look down on wrestling, and, and for good reason most of the time. But, you know, it does actually train the people that are pro- professional wrestlers to be actors. I mean, a lot of what they do yeah. is acting. And to action. Yeah, and to do action. Um, it's not the, the highest caliber acting, but, I mean, we have seen a lot of people come out of wrestling and, and do really well in the acting world. Uh, uh, the I mean, Rock? The Rock being <laughs> the, the top guy. So, yeah, certainly not impossible. And I think for, for for you know, network TV shows, I think, you know, wrestlers' acting chops, I think, you know, fall right in line with, with, with the quality that you're getting there. So it's not that surprising. I I don't. I mean, I don't know much about Ev Torres. She was not exactly a great in-ring technician. She wasn't known for her actual wrestling skills, uh, but more of a personality. So uh, this might actually work in her favor. But I'm interested in seeing what what version of Maximo they they go with in this show. Right. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I, I, it, one thing you got to give Supergirl. They're doing. A, they 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 also did a uh, an Alan Moore Superman story, but adapted it to Supergirl called. Uh, what do you get for the man who has everything? But it's what do you get for the woman who has everything? And it's a really, really great story, comic-wise, and they adapted that to the show. So they're they're doing a lot of, you know, they're trying to pick a lot of the the better stories out of the Superman Supergirl uh, mythos and put them into the show. And I give them credit for that. I, I really probably do need to give it a another go around it to see if maybe it's something I can get into. Um, all right, man, but in other casting corner news, uh, we've got a little bit of uh, Star Wars news. Uh, Han Solo for the young Han Solo film prequel that's going to be coming out. They're still moving forward with that. Of course they are because Star Wars is just printing money. <laughs> um, they've narrowed it down to three finalists for young Han Solo. We've got uh, Alden. Oh, my God. Alden <laughs> er- Ehrenreich. Uh, yeah, Aaron no, Reich. I think you did pronounce that correctly. Okay, Alden Ehrenreich, who was uh, most recently seen in the Coen Brothers' Hail Caesar, which I did not see. 
and I honestly am not that familiar with him. We've got Jack Rayner, uh, who was in the most recent Transformers film as the boyfriend of the girl. And yes, I'm being that vague about Transformers because that's exactly how vague you can be with every Transformers film. It doesn't matter. Um, Taron Egerton, most recently from Kingsman, who I actually really like and was up for the Peter Parker role at one point, uh, is also rumored to be one of the finalists. Uh, now, granted, I know a lot more about Taron Egerton than I do know about Jack or Al, uh, Alden, but I looked at the pictures of these guys. And just looking at how they look as people, as human beings, Jack Rayner looks like, I mean, like he could totally pull off a young Han Solo. I'm putting my money on Mr. Rayner. What do you think there, Ignacio? I'm totally with you. And the thing with Rayner is that I think the reason why I think he would be good is that to me, he looks like a young Chris Pratt or a younger Chris Pratt. Because Chris mm, Pratt's not an yeah, old guy. Yeah, he does. Um, and Chris Pratt is really like the guy that I wanted to be. I mean, he's already kind of going in Harrison Ford's, already kind of stealing his, his career, career in a way. So, like, you know, and he, he can do young Harrison Ford stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Jack Rayner just on looks alone. I really don't know much about any of these actors. Uh, but if we're just going off which one kind of looks like the part, um, that's my that's my choice, man. Jack Definitely. Rayner. You know, they must be kicking themselves that, like, Guardians of the Galaxy came out and Chris Pratt already played Star-Lord. Um, because he would be the he would be like to me the perfect Han Solo. He would be so good. Perfect Han Solo. He'd also be the perfect Indiana Jones. I know. He he is just taking Han Solo's career at this point. Like, but you he, mean Harrison Ford? But uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> what I, who they say? Han Solo. <laughs> oh yeah. So you know, and uh, just as a small aside, they asked uh, they asked Harrison Ford what he thought about the guys that were up for the role, and he goes. His, his response was, they asked him, like, which do you prefer? You know, who do you like? He goes, none of them. None of them should do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, he's just like, don't do it. Like, he, I mean, he really hated playing Han Solo or something. I don't know. I, I still don't really know the story behind that. All right. So a couple of little. Maybe uh, I don't know. Possibly. But he's done so many other things. Like, that's the. I don't know. I don't um, so a couple other small things. Um, the most recent, or actually maybe a couple episodes back, uh, episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. saw two of the kind of main characters on the ensemble cast. It was their final episode, uh, and that's Mocking, uh, Mockingbird and, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He doesn't really have a name. He doesn't have a code name. He's just like her boyfriend. He's like this, I don't know. He's like an, he's like an English spy, dude. <laughs> And he's great. I mean, I just I can, wish I could remember his name, but I can't. Sorry. I can look it up. Anyway, they're they're moving on to their own spinoff show called Marvel's Most Wanted, and I hope that does well. I worry that they're stretching a little thin, but we'll see. But we did get some small casting news there. Uh, Odid Fear is going to has been cast in that show as a villain of some sort. We don't know who. They have kind of dropped hints saying that it is a major Marvel character that has not yet been portrayed. I tried to think about like who the hell that could possibly be. I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea. It's Stilt Man. I have no idea. This city is about to get a little darker. Oh God, he's not Darkhawk, dude. Darkhawk's not oh. even a villain. He's not. <laughs> he's not even a villain. It's time for the but, Hawk. Oh my God. Well, maybe that would be really interesting. Um, 
I don't. I don't have no. I have, there are no words. I have no words yeah. for it. I think this guy was in the you know, Mummy. I, the I, mummy read, Returns, I read. Uh, so. I've been rereading a lot of the Dark Hawk comics, and there's so many parts where like, he's just like, this city could really use an edge, and it's just because he's got like this amulet that's like really yeah jagged. It's edgy. It's edgy. So like he's he's always talking about edges. It's weird. <laughs> okay, what? Uh, I have an idea for a future podcast segment. We'll talk about it off there. Okay. I think it's going to be good. Um, all right. And then uh, the last, do you want to bring up the last bit and then I'll react on it? It's a little bit more. Yeah, I will bring up the last bit okay. and I'm going to let you react. Uh, we fi- we have a uh, another casting uh, bit of news. Uh, the Riddler in the Je- uh, Justice League action. Justice League. What is it called? Justice League. Justice League action. It's called Justice League action. Uh, yeah. This is the animated um, uh, movie. I don't know. I'm, I'm destroying it's, this piece. Of, piece no, of I know. I, I believe it's. Um, yeah. Anyway, all you need movie. to know is the Riddler has been cast, and it's going to be none other than Brent Spiner, who yeah, you might not know that name, but you definitely know him because he played Data on Star Trek: Next Generation. Um, right, which I know you're very familiar with. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to Las Vegas for Star Trek convention. Not because I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. I actually don't even like Star Trek, but just because my friends are really into it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with them in Vegas and do nerdy shit. Turned out to be a, an incredible weekend. Um, I still don't like Star Wars, Star Trek, though. Uh, but I did get to see Brent Spiner in person. Um, he actually answered some questions, did a Q&A. He was the most fun uh, guy I saw all weekend. He was hilarious. He was, like, really really funny and like making fun of even like the questions that people were asking. Uh, he was really having fun with the whole thing. And, and, um, I think people know him as data. So they think that that's just like, he's real, like, yeah, like maybe he's doesn't have that much range, but he's actually hilarious. And I could totally see him killing, killing it as the Riddler. So I'm actually pretty excited about that. news. you were supposed to react about this. So not me. I'm glad. I'm glad you had that personal experience. I, it's funny. I've actually had the opportunity to, to meet him as well. And, and kind of hear him talk um, at a convention previously. And you're right. He's incredibly affable and just friendly and quick and sharp. Funny guy. Funny, funny guy. And if you didn't know him and you saw you heard dad is going to be the Riddler, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. But if you've but if you've ever met him or seen him speak like it, it's a really good casting. It's a really it's not like it's not one I would have thought on on my own, but like. Once you put it out there, it's like, oh, no, that's perfect. So uh, really good for them. I know I think that show's already locked up Mark Hamill and uh, or that movie's locked up Mark Hamill and uh, Kevin Conroy as well. So uh, Batman and Joker and awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. So, um, yeah, go ahead, man. Sorry. What were you I was going to say, I mean, is that, uh, you know, well, are we, I wanted to finish off to or? close the show off with a little Spider-Man f- fun, if that's OK with you. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, we, I found this thing online where some guy uh, just decided like to write a feature on like his fantasy casting of Spider-Man. so so like you're talking about like um, like uh, Faggy wrote this or <laughs> like yeah Joss tra- Whedon <laughs> trying to get it out into the universe and I think Joss Whedon's given up on Marvel to be honest with you it's probably Faggy. I think he has too uh, I almost feel like Whedon might have given up on life a little bit no I'll give credit to the guy it. who wrote it George George Marston this is a newsarama. Okay exclusive oh, okay 
Um, okay. I guess it was just like, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and just like fantasy cast Spider-Man. <laughs> just whatever. Just put it out there. I'm like, okay. just going to put it out there. I'm going to pick all the actors who I think should play the characters, which I thought was funny, and I clicked through every one of them. Uh, but since you're the big Spider-Man fan on this show, yeah, uh, I thought I'd get your reactions to them. What do you think? On this show or any show, I'll take them down. You will. I'm you, the you would fan. win, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go through just a couple of them, not all of them. Okay. Let's start with Uncle Ben, who plays obviously a big role in the Spider-Man universe. Um, I know you're gonna love this one. Uh, the guy who's listed on here as Uncle Ben, playing Uncle Ben, none other than John Cusack. Ah, uh, <laughs> that. Okay, so that my was initial reaction. Uh. <laughs> my initial reaction is he might be too young, but that's only because I forget how old John Cusack is, and then. We got Marissa Tomei, right? Yeah, She's going to be... Exactly. She's so if May. Marissa Tomei is Aunt May, and so that's the age range that you're looking at. By the way, I totally forgot that Marissa Tomei is Aunt May, and that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that, I got really happy just thinking about that again. Um, John Cusack. Love John Cusack. One of your favorites. Uh, in fact, he would have, in a different lifetime, would have been a great Peter Parker, I think. It's so funny you say that. Back when James Cameron was on board to do Spider-Man, I think this was after Terminator 2... John Cusack was his pick yeah. to play Peter Parker, and it, he would have been perfect. Yeah, uh, for it. Um, uh, so John, T- or John Cusack, aka Miles Teller's dad, um, <laughs> I super on board, uh, especially with the who you've got is Aunt May. Uh, love John Cusack. No lie, one of my uh, like old AOL Instant Messenger. I'm dating myself here. AOL Instant Messenger screen names was. Um, John Cusack's left-hand man. That's right, because you're left-handed. Because I'm left-handed. Uh, I remember that actually, because I remember talking to you on AOL with that handle. <laughs> mine was actually my. I can't my. I can't repeat mine. Uh, all right, let's <laughs> let's continue. Um, Harry Osborne, played yeah. by someone who was actually rumored to play Peter Parker. This obviously to go back to the original premise. None of this shit is actual news. This is fantasy casting. What do you think about Harry Osborne being played by Asa Butterfield? Mmm, butters. Um, right. You know, Harry in the comic is awkward. He's a lot. He's a little more awkward than Peter, which is weird because Peter's like the the, the the nerd, but like somehow Harry's still more awkward than him. Um, I I could see Asa doing that. I could see Butters doing it. Um, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Um, okay. Here's one. You know, plus, they have a really strong friendship, so having somebody who would have played Peter can also play Harry makes sense to me. Here's one I know you're going to love. Norman Osborn. Um, yeah. What do you think about... Obviously, Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn is Green Goblin. Um, yeah. Brian Cranston. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Marvel, Sony, this is what you do. You see what BVS did. You see what Warner Brothers in DC did. Yep. They could have had Cranston as Lex Luthor. Okay? Yeah. They, they didn't do they didn't it. They didn't do it. That, that was a mistake. Look what happened. Don't make this mistake. Look what happened. Don't make the mistake. Make this happen. Make it happen. I'm the one who knocks. Like, make this happen. Like, that's perfect. He needs to be... I would love him as Norman Osborn, Green Goblin. He needs to be a villain in some superhero film totally somewhere. Right. I don't care has really who, but it has to happen. You're totally right. And we'll, we'll finish with this last one. J. Jonah Jameson. I know a character close to your heart. Uh, this can one. I, can I say real quick yeah. that I do love, I love Jake, uh, 
J.K. Simmons being Commissioner Gordon. I like that the Warner Brothers got him. I'm so sad that that most likely means that he is not going to reprise his role as J. Jonah Jameson in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, no, they got to look uh, for something else. Here. Oh, he's so good. I mean, like, I mean, right up there with Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool as extremely comic accurate and perfect for the role. Yeah, uh, I agree. He was he was great. It's going to be hard to top him. This guy would probably do it, but this is, I mean, this is like pie in the sky kind of stuff here. This is not going to happen. But how would you feel about J. Jonah Jameson being played by none other than Mr. Tom Hanks? Mm. Man, you know, who was this guy again with Newsarama? I got to yeah, give him George credit. Marston. I thought it was George Marston. I thought he was going to be a little bit of a loony bin. I, this guy's nailing it. Yeah. No. That, we need to get George okay. Marston on the show is what we need to do. <laughs> Tom Hanks. You're right. Pie in the sky. I mean, this guy writes writes his own checks or whatever, right? Like, what's the? I don't know the cliche. Right. Bad cliches. If you've seen that movie where he plays Walt Disney, uh, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, Mrs. Banks, something about yeah. Anyway, um, it's about the uh, making of uh, the, the. He plays the, Disney. The, right? He plays Walt Disney. Yeah, but but it's the nanny film. The not the. Mary Poppins, the mm-hmm. making of Mary yeah. Poppins. He's got the mustache. He's got kind of like that, you know, he's not a news person, but it's a little bit like that. Perfect. I mean, plus Tom Hanks can do anything. I mean, let, let's be serious here. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks could play a paper bag. Yeah. He, he, he would be great. I think that is not feasible, but I'm totally on board. Yeah, and it's funny. I just watched League of Their Own. And he, oh, yeah. he's like such a grumpy curmudgeon guy in that movie, and it would totally work as J.J. and James. It's so good. He would nail it. He would he would destroy it. Yeah. I don't know if it would be better than J.K. Simmons, but it would definitely be in the ballpark and uh, and and good. I think it would be great either way. Yeah. I mean, none of the stuff um, is probably going to happen, but, I mean, it would be no. cool to get some, at least one of these big names, because I think that would just elevate the movie. Um, but anyway. I wanted to get your yeah. reaction to it. That would no, be like no, thank you for like that. I, I mean, I love talking Spidey. I, I feel better talking about Spidey after all that BVS stuff that's <laughs> in my head. That being said, and this is absolutely the last thing I want to mention. You know, I feel I know that some of you out there in the CBC are really big DC fanboys and fangirls, and that's fine. And I'm glad. And you want to defend this film, and that's fine. And you love it. And if somehow you can actually watch it two or three times, and that's fun for you, cool. I want you to know that we are not trying to hate on DC. It's just this film has a lot of issues. And they were trying to do a lot, so it makes sense that there's a lot of issues with the film. Um, But I want to end on something a little more positive. Prior to BVS, they dropped a Lego Batman trailer. And now, actually, on the internet, we'll make sure to put them in the thread. There's two different trailers for the Lego Batman movie on the internet. And I got to say, they're amazing and hilarious and just get you really amped up for the film. And it looks like it's going to be great. It has a lot of the same feel of the Lego movie that came out before, but it's all Batman. And they, they're able to, ha- like you said, they're able to have fun with the Batman kind of mythos. There's a lot of levity there. What do you think? You've seen, I know you saw a trailer right before we started recording. Yeah. I watched them both. I mean, they're they're comedies, which is cool because I, and maybe it's just because I had just seen BBS that it was cool to like have that complete opposite end of the spectrum to balance balance um, out, yeah. version of Batman. But I mean, Will Arnett's Batman from the Lego Movie is 
is just hilarious. Like everything he did yeah. was fantastic. Um, yeah. And it just, it works just because he's, he's essentially playing. I mean, he's, he's doing the Batman it's character, like a but parody just a, or a yeah. satire of like just over serious, taking everything way too seriously kind of a guy, um, but making fun of that. And I, I think I said this off the air. They're like, they can do, the things they can do, I think, with this Lego movie is similar to what Deadpool did, where you're essentially just making fun of the whole genre and making mm-hmm. fun of these characters and like how kind of static they can be. Um, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun and a chance to kind of make make fun of that, at that character, but also at the same time, um, I think it would be a big kick for people who are Batman fans. So it's not necessarily... Yeah, it's a laugh with, laugh, laugh at situation. Yeah, so no, I'm excited about it, man. I think it's going to be good. What do you think of it? Oh yeah, just super psyched. Like I and again, it's it's weird how unbalanced everything with Warner Brothers is. You know, on the TV side, you've got a lot of high notes. On the animation side, you've got a lot of high notes. This Lego Batman movie, even though we haven't seen it yet, already looks like it's going to be great. You know, but the live action stuff is more inconsistent. It's just really weird. I don't understand why because this company is so big and so strong and, and has so much money why they just haven't created like a, a giant group of like 10 20 people to kind of oversee all of this stuff and make it make it all mesh well and make it all feel like it's coming out of the same place because i don't feel like that i don't feel like the stuff is everything is kind of like what marvel does you know like one thing you got to give Marvel, yeah, they stifle creativity to some extent, but they're very synergistic about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. Anyway, Though I think I think that there is some kind of delineation between the TV stuff, true, and the movie stuff, and the animated Perlmutter. stuff. It's a little different. Perlmutter. Speaking yeah. of the TV stuff, we're gonna have way more to talk about with Daredevil. Which, bit of a spoiler alert, I'm actually not as crazy about as I thought I was gonna be. I wasn't too much of a fan of the ending, so we'll have that to talk. We're about. We're gonna take a trip to. The Devil's Den. Yeah, that's right. I think Daredevil suffered from some of the similar things that BVS did. So if you think we only just shit on to... DC, um, go yeah. back and listen to our uh, episode on four, on Fantastic Four. And uh, just wait uh, until our episode on Daredevil where I'll have some things to say that will be pretty similar to the critiques I had of, of BVS. Anyway, All man. I got to say is full steam ahead to Civil War. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. That's right. So we'll have way more next week. Um, sorry again last week, guys, for uh, the technical difficulties. Uh, but anyway, until next week, the Fortress of Potitude is closed. Stay super, everyone. Later, guys. Later.